0: Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions.
1: Hi, this is Dave from Ohio. I've learned so much from listening to this podcast over the last two months. I really appreciate it. I got a question about a stock that I own, if I should get out of it or hold on to it. It's Hawaiian Electric Industries, H-E.
0: And provides unbiased answers. InvestTalk. Over 31 million downloads and counting. Hey, Steve or Justin,
2: this is Ben from Oregon. I was calling in about ticker QDEL.
0: Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART.
3: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success.
4: And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, May 6th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in this hour, and as always, I'm going to do my very best to help you in this show in this next hour. Make take that next step. In your journey to financial freedom, and it's not a journey that you're going to you're going to navigate in one fell swoop takes a lot of steps forward day after day after day and making consistently consistent good decisions, not just about investing, which that's what we talk about a lot on the show, but your personal finance situation as well, which we often get into uh, and discuss. So that is my goal. And to that end, I'm going to operate with a mission statement of independent thinking and shared success. So that's my assurance to you that no matter what I'm speaking about, individual stock, a particular sector, a strategy, it's all presented without bias. I'm just giving you the facts and using the context that I have built over the last 20 years of investment experience to help you navigate. Uh, this changing market and navigate your way towards your own version of financial freedom. Now, I'm Justin Klein. Of course, we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape the show to your liking. In fact, you can call and interact with us right now during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific time. Or you can leave a question, as always, on our Invest Talk Voice Bank. Either way, that number is always 888 chart So let's get right to our first listener question now.
2: Hi, Stephen Justin. I was wondering your opinion on FXAIX, the Fidelity 500 index fund, specifically for employer 401k rollover. We have been putting money into that through my husband's 401k, and we probably have about 90% of our stock portfolio in that and he currently just took a new job, and we're looking into our rollover options. Just wondering if that would be a safe bet and if it's okay to have that much of a portfolio in one index fund. It seems okay to me, but I'm quite new as an investor, but it does have kind of low fees and, and a couple of other benefits, so it'd be great to hear your thoughts on whether that would be suitable for a rollover. Thank you. Take care.
4: Well, the good thing is that you are taking the opportunity to roll that 401k into an IRA, and that opens you up to a lot more investment options. Now, it sounds like you maybe rolled that over to Fidelity because you're looking at the Fidelity 500 Index Mutual Fund, and this is just an S&P 500 index. So, that's really all you have to uh, you have to know about this. This is investing in the S&P 500, very low expense ratio, one and a half basis points. And if you want to just simply index a here in the US this is the the standard large cap choice now i think too many people are over indexed. They're over allocated to areas like this, especially domestic. I think the value and the opportunities are often uh, in this market more on the value side as well as globally. There's a lot less money allocated globally and the valuations are just a lot better there. So, longer term, you should expect better returns in those other asset classes where the Fidelity or sorry, the SP 500 index right now is heavily weighted towards just a handful of big growth names, things like Apple, 5.7% of the index, Microsoft's 5, Amazon's 4%, Facebook 2, and if you combine the Alphabet A and C shares, that's about uh, 35 so just those stocks alone, or those companies alone, you're talking close to 20% of the overall index. And then you have Tesla up next, which is one and a half percent, which is a terrible investment. So uh, this is this is not to me uh, a great opportunity uh, to to invest. Now it doesn't say you can't have allocation to the S&P 500 there, if you want to index, and you, uh, th- that's the the base maybe the core uh, of your holdings but they have 90% of your portfolio in this particular index whether it's the fidelity one or it's just buying spy or and you know a vanguard s&p 500 index whatever it is you're investing in the same mix of stocks so You want this a low weighting as an overall percentage of your portfolio, once again, if you want to index. But you roll into an IRA, you can do so much more with that. So many other investment options from ETFs to uh, other mutual funds, thousands of other mutual funds, individual stocks, individual bonds, preferred shares. You just have a giant universe, and then you're probably used to the 401k. And the fact that the 401k has limited choices and limited mutual funds. And this is the advantage of rolling into an IRA. So, I would encourage you to take advantage of that flexibility. Build out a more well-diversified portfolio with much better opportunities. And frankly, the S&P itself is not the greatest opportunity right now. Now, everyone has a different idea of how they define financial freedom. And it's the ability to retire when you want and do whatever you want to do. And that can be defined differently for each individual. So it's about financial security and maybe you still want to work. You want to work part time. Maybe you want to spend more time with your grandkids. Maybe you want to uh, spend a lot of time with your hobby, playing golf or, or something else, whatever that is, you need the right strategy to reach that particular goal. And you need the right information. And that's what I'm here to help you do, help you navigate. So I'm ready to take your calls on our Anytime Invest Talk listener line at eight 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 ninety nine chart Now let's take a look at the market today. We had a fairly decent rally through the end of the day. We were down over the past week or so. The market's been relatively weak. We started off this morning weak as well, but we closed at the highs of the day on the S&P. And more interesting aspect is that we closed near the highs on the NASDAQ as well, which was very, very weak yesterday, also weak this morning. Still, the NASDAQ composite only managed to gain about 50 points. Uh, Quarter of a percent or so, third of a percent. So really not a great day on the Nasdaq, and you continue to see that underperformance of the growth versus the value. You saw commodities do very well today. Gold broke out above the eighteen hundred level, and to me, this is just another piece of evidence that gold is now in an uptrend after a decade and a decade uh, about six, seven months maybe eight months, since basically last summer when gold started to pull back, uh, and but in an orderly fashion. And when you have a big explosive move like you had in the first half of 2020 in that space, it's not uncommon to have an orderly pullback where it shakes out the weak hands and That isn't time to accumulate. And now is the uptrend. Uh, Once again, you're starting to see that breakout, especially the gold miners. The GDX was up uh, over 3% today. So, really, that was uh, the markets. Kind of choppy, ended higher, uh, but commodities really broke out once again today. Now, we're heading into a quick break, and our Invest Talk phone lines are open, and I'm ready to take your calls at 888.99 chart.
0: Investors, the goal of achieving financial freedom requires unbiased information, strategic planning, and determination. Congratulations. You found the podcast that is dedicated to helping you succeed.
4: Invest Talk. Let's go talk with Mike in Los Angeles. He's looking at BCE, which I believe is a telecom company out of Canada. Do you own it or looking to buy it?
2: I own some and looking to possibly add to the position a little bit more. Um, it seems to be, uh, I've, in the past like two, three months, I've already had like a 10% rise on it. It's got a great dividend yield and still a good dividend yield, this price. And uh, just um, curious, even with, all the, with the tech sell-offs that have been going on, this stock seems to be holding up. Just curious what your thoughts are on it, what your thoughts are on the fundamentals.
4: Yeah, I think the fundamentals are relatively strong. Had a lull in revenue and earnings over the past year or so because of uh, the COVID shutdowns, but. You start to see a return to normalcy this uh, first quarter of this year where revenue came in plus 1%. Earnings were down 1%, but uh, that's fairly steady. Nice 5.8% dividend yield. It, it's, it's a good company. I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite in the, the telecom space, but it's technicals are, are very strong, uh, certainly powering to, to new highs. Is this a 52 week high? Let me take a look here. Yeah, it's powering to levels really we haven't seen since uh, the COVID shutdown. So, it's uh, made that full round trip now. Coming into a little bit of resistance, there definitely will be some resistance up here in the high 40s. Now, we're at 48.45 to close today. So, I would actually expect some consolidation. But from a valuation perspective, I would say it's modestly undervalued. Uh, Mid-50s is probably uh, true value on this name. Uh, but I like the space. I like they are going to collect that dividend. Um uh, it doesn't get me super excited i think there's others within the space that i would love more um and technically once again you're up into some resistance so i would i would be patient on a pull, uh, waiting for a pullback uh to be picking up more thanks for the call mike my, let's go to carl in oceanside he wants to talk about investing in the market
1: Sometimes you mentioned pivot point what is a pivot point
4: What is a pivot point? Well, a pivot point is simply a place on the chart where the price of the stock pivoted, either from a high and downward or from a low upward, uh, somewhere where there's a major pivot to uh, the price of the particular security. So that's what a pivot point is. Thanks for the call, Carl. Let's go to Noel in Napa, looking at SPKE, which is, I believe this is Spike Energy. Correct. I guess he's gone, but I'll talk about uh, Spark Energy. Excuse me. That's what. That's the name of the company. This is Spark Energy. This is a utility, and they provide residential and commercial uh, natural gas and electricity in New England in the Mid Atlantic. And this is a name that has technically not had a lot of strength, but the whole utility sector as a whole has ha- not had a lot of strength either. And so, it shouldn't be a shock that the the stock price has struggled this year, actually, down from Actually, we're back to where we were at the start of the year, but it's clearly that's an underperformance from where the overall market is. Yield's 6.7%, so that's probably what he's looking at, is that nice, actually 7.4%, excuse me. You're looking at that nice, juicy yield. But the earnings picture is all over the place. They made a cent in 2014, then they made a dollar eighteen in 2017, then they lost $0.69 cents in 2018. It's just all over the place. And so it's not nearly the type of company that I, I would I would be excited to invest in in the utility space. I think there's some much better options. So I would be passing on Spark energy. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart, 88992-4278. And let's let me preview a little bit what I'm going to be talking about today. First, our main focus point is on the what the Treasury is saying about. National debt. During the crisis, they, they Congress lifted the limit on the national debt, and that's about to come up. That's about to expire on July thirty first. So, what does that mean? What what is likely to happen over the the next few months to avoid a default on the national debt, which isn't going to happen. Uh, you know that's not going to happen, but it's something that needs to be discussed and how that's going to maybe impact government policy, both on the fiscal and the monetary side. And we know that those are both vital to where we are as an economy, at least in the short term. Now, you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And with all the changes we see in the markets, you have seen that over the past week, saw it today, it's important to remember that in these times, your task of building your own financial future must always be at the top of your list. And you can't afford to take your eye off the ball and I'm here to help the you with that. So we're taking future. your calls live at eight 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 ninety nine chart
0: are listening to invest talk every friday on the program and the podcast steve peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the kpp premium newsletter listen fridays to invest talk and now steve and justin welcome your calls and questions 888-99-CHART
4: let's head down to del mar and talk with greg about his 401k how you doing greg
2: I'm doing well, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Of
4: course.
0: Uh,
2: my question has to do with, I guess, you know, I'm 45 now, and I've done fairly decent in the stock market over the last 10 years, and I'm actually planning to retire at 55 using the rule of 55. Mm-hmm. I guess I want to know, at what point should I convert my uh, current <clears throat> retirement account, um, into, like, I guess a fixed income because the idea is to convert to fixed income and then my house will be paid off by that time, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, my, I'm trying, I'm planning for that. But at what point should I uh, convert my current uh, stock portfolio into like more of a conservative fixed income five years before now? Uh, and Yeah, typically we say between
4: five and ten years before you actually retire is when you should really start to think about dampening down that volatility. Uh, Certainly... A lot will depend on the the market environment so, you know what's more attractive now is it bonds versus uh, versus stocks uh, and, and then it's a matter of what type of bonds as well because I think treasuries for example will likely be artificially or has been had, they have been artificially uh, depressed for a long period of time but we expect the Fed to you know keep them sub two and a half percent for an extended period of time. so that's probably not going to be the greatest place to allocate money. Uh, even if you're mm-hmm. allocating to fixed income, uh, it's going to be in other areas of the bond market where you're going to be able to get better yields. And so being opportunistic as well can be a strategy. Maybe in, uh, starting 10 years out, you start to think about uh, monitoring the market for times when you can. You can cash in maybe some of your equity portfolio in for uh, opportunistic bond opportunities or fixed income type opportunities. Uh, So it's I don't think it's something that you want you you need to have hard and fast. Oh, this date I need to dampen down my volatility. But about 10 years out, you want to start thinking about that and gradually reducing your equity uh, exposure opportunistically in order to. Lower the risk of your overall portfolio. Does that make sense, Greg?
2: It does. Uh, it, would it be unreasonable to expect, like maybe, a five percent return on, say, a fixed income portfolio?
4: Well, right now in the fixed income markets, we're getting somewhere in the neighborhood of four, four and a half percent for uh, fairly high quality corporate credit. Uh, I think that's okay. the probably the best area of the the markets from a risk reward standpoint. Uh, treasuries are just—I uh, think they're just certificates of confiscation, really. So I wouldn't be allocating there. Uh, but you know, you said you're 42.
2: I'm 45, and so 45. Uh, okay. So you
4: are about that, that 10-year mark. Um, I wouldn't. Once again, I wouldn't be rushing out, because the, the fixed income market right now is uh, pretty lofty, and you're not getting uh, the greatest risk versus rewards. But uh, start thinking about being opportunistic on reducing some of the equity exposure right now. You want to be probably reducing your, uh, your, your tech and growth uh, side, uh, and being ready for uh, maybe sell-off in the corporate credit markets to, to pick up opportunities. So this is a good time to start thinking about it, but not necessarily taking action quite yet. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Emilios in San Francisco looking at Qualcomm. Hi, Mr. Justin. How are you? I'm doing great. Do you own Qualcomm? Are you looking to buy it? I have a little bit. And, yeah, right down the street from the I wanted to add to my position,
1: but I'm just a little concerned with the chip shortage. I don't know if that's going to hinder their sales, you know. So in the long run, long term, I don't know what you, how you feel fundamentally.
4: Yeah, we like Qualcomm. We do uh, own it for clients. I uh, think it's modestly undervalued, and I, I don't think the chip shortage is really uh, an issue for them. The, they're a large player, and their chip foundries are going to more more cater to their needs, uh, because know, they know that they're long-term clients, they can uh, produce uh, in, in mass volumes. Uh, I think it's more of the smaller players that are going to have trouble finding foundries to really uh, ramp up production. Um, but doesn't mean that they aren't going to be without their, their issues. So, uh, I wouldn't worry really about the chip shortage in the near term. That's something that will uh, shake out over uh, the medium to long term. The, the supply will come on. You're already starting to see that. And so, I wouldn't I wouldn't be really worried about that chip shortage, and I think it's a, it's a little overblown. And typically, when that gets in the the media, um, the story is kind of behind it. Got you. Okay. okay.
1: Thank you, Justin. I appreciate your advice as usual.
4: One minute. No problem. Now, my focus point today concerns the headline: Treasury warns of the need to deal with the national debt limit. Remember that? Well. I'll get to that right after the break, but our phone lines are open for you. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART.
2: I wondering what your thoughts are on
3: all the Robinhood trading and the, the Red Hat boards. Got a question for Steve or Justin? Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. 888 99 Chart.
0: At the start of each new day, we are presented with opportunities. But as you go about your daily routine, there's one task, one challenge you should not put off. The need to plan for and work toward achieving financial freedom. That point in the future when your money, your assets are working for you while you work only if you want to. However, serious investors eventually recognize that unless they can afford to devote the time and efforts required to thoroughly understand market dynamics, expert guidance will be essential. The moment that spark of reality hits you will want to consult with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. The next highly beneficial step for your investing future can start when you reach out to Steve or Justin via
4: Skype, a phone call, or a quick message through investtalk.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, K-E-R-O-N-E dot com, hacker1.com.
0: You are listening to Invest Talk, and the market has been interesting. So you'll have important finance and investment questions, and Steve and Justin welcome your calls now. Invest Talk 888
4: 99 chart. Now before the break, I discussed my Main focus point for the show, which is the Treasury's need to raise the national debt uh, debt limit. Excuse me. Now on Wednesday, uh, Treasury officials urge Congress to expand or change the limit on the national debt, which is set to expire on July 31st. It was uh, basically in in the midst of not the financial crisis, or not the uh, COVID crisis, but it was actually during the the Trump tax cut negotiations. When Congress reached a deal for the $1.5 trillion tax cuts in 2017, they lifted the Limit on the national debt until July 31st of this year. Now, this has given both parties a kind of a blank check to go out there and spend. And this just shows you when pol- you give politicians a blank check, they're going to write big ones. And that's what they've really done. They've really done. Now, Treasury is expected to borrow 463 billion dollars this quarter and it plans to borrow $2.28 trillion for the full budget year, which ends September 30th. Now, that $463 billion is actually a jump from the government's initial estimate just a few months ago of only $95 billion. Obviously, a lot of that has to do with the $1.9 trillion uh, stimulus package that was passed in March, but the government it ran up a record $3.1 trillion deficit last year, and expected to hit $3.3 trillion this year. Why is this important? Well, we know, it's pretty clear, that the government stimulus efforts are transitioning from monetary, coming from the Fed, to fiscal. And how much Congress puts pressure on The budget to make sure that it is limited to the upside That will limit the scope and ability for governments to continue to stimulate the economy Now, I think a lot of it will be show Uh, Republicans, now that they're not in power in the White House Are certainly going to put on their fiscal conservative hat Which they didn't do under uh, the Trump administration How much will that be show versus actual policy uh, wonkiness? We'll see. But it's clear that both sides are willing to spend more if it benefits their own interests. And I think they'll come to some compromise. But this is something that they're not talking about. Nobody in, uh, in, in the media is really talking about much. But July 1st is not that far away. Sorry, July 31st. It's only less than three months. So this is really going to be an important factor to be watching to see how hard the Republicans push on Congress to limit this increase in government spending. And it's something that I think could move the markets if... They're too harsh or too hawkish. Now let's keep things moving and go back to the Best Talk Voice Bank. This came in earlier on eight 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 ninety nine chart.
2: Hi, my name is Margaret. I love your show. I am a new listener, and I would love to hear your thoughts on WW, which is formerly Weight Watchers. I don't see a lot of information out there about them, but I could tell you as a member that recently started going back, it seems like an exciting spot to be at, so I'm curious if that will reflect in their stock price. So. Any information you could give me because they say buy what you love, and honestly, I'm starting to love WW, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you.
4: All right, this is Weight Watchers. International, and uh, she called it a good time because it looks like they had earnings, and the stock was up 26% today, up $7.18, to a close of $34.73 on the day. So, it was uh, certainly a good day for Weight Watchers. Revenues still were down 17% year over year, uh, and earnings lost. They were negative 20 cents for the quarter, but clearly the market was, was happy with the forward projection. And that's what is, I don't want to say most important, but that's, that's really what the market seems to be focused on. I do have, uh, some decent insight into this business because my aunt who, uh, lives out uh, in Long Island, New York, she is actually a Weight Watchers coach. She used to be overweight and she did Weight Watchers and, and she lost a bunch of weight and has maintained it off. Uh, and so now she's, she's a coach. Uh, this is, she's been one for, geez, almost 20 years now. So, um, certainly it works if you uh, apply your your uh, your attention to it, and uh, it's it's a fairly good business, but it is kind of up and down. And, and clearly, with the COVID shutdowns, you couldn't have meetings. I know for her, she she was having trouble having meetings, and and that impacts uh, the, the earnings of the company. So, um, I still think with uh, the health and wellness of the the business uh, or of the world uh, being important, especially with COVID, I think if you're overweight, uh, you are a much higher likelihood that you will have problems with, uh, with COVID. And so certainly that is uh, beneficial to their business overall. So, uh, I would say, I think this is a stock to buy. It's modestly undervalued based on expected earnings next year. And, but I would wait for a consolidation here in the low thirties. Now here in InvestTalk, we try to fit in a mix of stock-specific questions with process questions and structure and structure questions. So let's play one now.
2: Hello, this is Jennifer in Oregon. I'm trying to learn about how to balance my portfolio using sectors, and uh, bumped up against where exactly does the cannabis industry fit in? Is it agriculture, medicine, both? Also, EVs, are the vehicles in the industrial sector while the charging stations are utility or maybe energy? Help. <laughs> How can I best understand this? Thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do. Bye. Bye.
4: Okay, well, uh, the I would say that the charging industry would be more along the lines of a a gas station. I wouldn't really I I don't think the charging stations are really a great business if you think about it uh, because can you fill up your gas tank at home? No. Can you fill up your electric vehicle at home? Yes, you can. So I think those charging stations are going to be kind of few and far between, and they're not going to be a great profitable business. Whereas, uh, you go back to cannabis, I think was your other question. I look at that, no, I don't look at that agriculture, I look at that as more of a sin stock, similar to tobacco names, similar to alcohol stocks. Um, certainly there are some medical applications for cannabis, and, and, and that's important as well. But overall, this uh, this, the use of cannabis is for recreational purposes for the most part. Um, so while the the narrative uh, for the space has always been this is a, there are medical applications for it, and that's certainly true. If you look at the data of usage, it is no way, shape, or form really has uh, is, it's it's not catered to the medical space at all. The vast majority of users are uh, recreation recreational just like alcohol and tobacco now let's make it three in a row let's go to a voice bank question for a question that came in earlier from Oregon Hey, Steve or Justin.
2: This is Ben from Oregon. I was calling in about ticker QDEL. Y'all mentioned this on your newsletter a while back and seemed pretty bullish on it. Um, and it just continues to fall. And I'm, I'm curious, is this a time where we need to look at adding more? Is it a, a holding pattern here? Or do I need to look at maybe selling off a, a portion of it? Still have under that 3 to 5%. So I wasn't thinking about maybe adding a couple positions to it to get up to that point but i'm not sure what you think about it thanks a lot look forward to your answer on the podcast bye-bye
4: well i'm not sure how long ago we actually uh we actually Recommended this, so I can't really, really say. But I don't think this is a good stock to own uh, now. I definitely think this is over. Th- this trade is over. Uh, they make rapid diagnostic testing for COVID, and we're on the back half uh, of of this this pandemic, shall you call it? So. I don't think this is a company, historically, that's done very well, uh, or allocated capital well, and this is way over-hyped. You're gonna probably trend back to pre-COVID earnings levels of around $3 a share, now it's a $108 stock. So this will probably head back to you know, the 50, 60 area, and then it might be interesting uh, to see where uh, you get some sort of trend um, earnings, right seeing through the covid crisis and what they do with that capital um, but definitely not a, a buy in my book at this point thanks for the call 888-99-CHART 899-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show we have about mm, 15 minutes left so i encourage you to call sooner rather than later now let's touch on digital currencies and this is something i've been talking about for a little while now and you know a lot of people are are hyped up and jazzed about cryptocurrency and i think it's definitely an interesting space uh there will be a lot of great uses that come out of this technology blockchain and uh, the various uh, programs and applications for this that allows this type of uh, currency to flourish in this market but the big question is is it actually currency? Right? Currency is used to transact, not for other currencies, but to transact for goods and services within an economy and There's swarms of digital day traders right now that have kind of stormed Wall Street. But the big question is what type of value is this creating and how will governments actually come in? What will they do? Are they going to sit idly by and allow a decentralized financial platform to usurp their power? I don't really think so. In fact, 50 monetary authorities throughout the world are exploring digital currencies themselves. The Bahamas has issued its own digital money. China has rolled out an e one pilot to over half a million people. The EU wants a virtual euro by 2025. Britain's launched, launched a task force, and even here in the U.S., the Fed is building a hypothetical E-Dollar. And so, in today's world, central banks use the current banking system to amplify their, their policies of some type. Payments, deposits, loans, all happen within our current banking system. And they do that to manage the economic cycle, inject capital into the systems when there is crisis. Just think of 08. So if the world migrates slowly to some sort of decentralized platform, are they really going to allow that? Allow just random people to have the, you know, think think of the emotion that people have when it comes to money and the decision making. And if you have this decentralized platform, the there's going to be no smoothing. Of the ebbs and flows of that emotional cycle And that's, I think, something that will surprise a lot of people Right now, crypto's going up But what happens when crypto goes down? You've seen that from when Bitcoin went from 17,000 to 3,000 People kind of forgot about it Then it took off, people get all excited about it There will be another crash Then it'll be kind of nobody will think about it And then it might come back And, you know, there's going to be a lot of changes that happen within this space And so it's, it's, it's a very interesting topic to discuss because money surrounds us all and governments are going to have a role, whether you like it or not. Crypto blockchains, they can exist in the ether, but when it comes to money and it comes to power, it's used in the real world for goods and services and that's ultimately the value that any currency has just because you take your ethereum and you buy bitcoin or vice versa or dogecoin or whatever that's not value that's just taking an asset and transferring into another asset The only reason that asset has value is if you can take it out and spend it on real-world goods and services. That's the value. And so... I always go back to my favorite quote. not favorite. One of my favorite quotes. Price is what you pay. Value is what you get. And when you have dollars or potentially e-dollars... The value you're going to get is to pay your taxes, to buy goods and services. And that is ultimately the most important value money can have, currency can have. Well, let me remind you, since we're just about at one minute from our last hard break, 2021 is going to be an interesting year. It already has been. You're starting to see that change in the market. And I want to make you aware of the benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley at KPP Financial. We operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success, meaning we invest right alongside you. We you practice parallel investing and we're not Kramer. We're not indexing. We're doing top-down and bottom-up analysis to create portfolios that work in this environment. So you can send us a message through investtalk.com or call our P. Financial Offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. We're heading to the last break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART.
0: You are listening to Invest Talk. It's Thursday, and there's no doubt that the COVID-19 pandemic has caused financial disruptions around the world. But you've got an asset portfolio to protect and grow, so you've got finance and investment questions. Justin Klein is here, and he's taking your calls live.
4: 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Dave in Cleveland. He's looking at BHP. Hello? Hello. Yes. You looking to buy BHP Hello? or do you own it? Hello? Can you hear me? Dave, you there? You there? I am here.
1: Hmm. Uh, hi. I'm looking, Thanks a lot for taking my call. And I'm hooked on your fo- podcast. I'm looking at a large cap company, uh, BHP Group. They do mining. Mining. Um, Um, copper, copper, zinc, silver, silver, gold. gold. And just see what your thoughts are, uh, if it's overvalued, if it's something I'm looking at long-term. It has a nice nice dividend, dividend, uh, uh, a yield of 5.73%. And just see what your thoughts thoughts
4: are. Yeah, we we like BHP. This is a company out of Australia, but they are broadly diversified: iron ore, uh, oil and gas. They have, uh, like you said, copper and gold. So this is a, a great inflation hedge. Uh, it's right in the heart of kind of the basic materials sector, and yields four percent, like you said. Uh, I think typically these foreign names, they only pay a couple times a year, so I have have to look at at that, but make sure you understand it's probably not a quarterly uh, payer, Uh, but it has good cash flow, it's uh, once again broadly diversified, and I like that, Um, and the chart looks uh, pretty strong, so uh, I'm gonna give BHP a thumbs up. Thanks for the call, Dave. Next up, one final question for today. We'll go to a caller question from Ohio.
1: Hi, this is Dave from Ohio. I've learned so much from listening to this podcast over the last two months. I really appreciate it. i got a question about a stock that I own, if I should get out of it or hold on to it. It's Hawaiian Electric Industries, H-E. It's hovering around $43 a share, pays a dividend, annual dividend of uh, $1.36. Just curious about your thoughts. I'm about even with it right now. Thank you.
4: All right. This is Hawaii Hawaiian Electric. HE is the symbol and this is the electric utility company for 95% of the state. Cover 5 Hawaiian Islands, Oahu, Hawaii, Maui, Molokai and Lanai. And it's mainly produced by oil-fired power plants, but over 25% electric capacity uh, comes from renewable energy, so, and that's, uh, that's growing. Uh, so the goal is to have the state fully uh, renewable by 2045, so certainly there's going to be some uh, incentives and some uh, positive aspects in the long term for that. Yields you know, 3%, technically it looks fine. It had a nice run in the month of March, and it's really just consolidating that run. So it's a name, historically, that has very good profitability consistent profitability and you know i like those names it's not just about what is it earning today but you know is it able to continue to to create those earnings year after year after year and uh, that's the thing about most utility companies they're tend to be pretty consistent and guess what they have a lock on this business uh so i'm a fan of hawaiian electric utilities right now not not the, the not the best, um, but starting to look better in the back half of the year. So I would hold Hawaiian Electric, I like it, it's fine. Now from time to time we get an email question. This is says, Steve, my question is about ticker symbol Z-I-M. It's a shipping log- logistics company. Bought the stock at around 19, currently it's pushing 40. Just checking to see if it's time to sell. Well, Zim did have a nice pullback today, about two and a half per, sorry, $2.50. Six percent or so. So I'm uh, wondering if they had earnings. I got to look that up here. Uh, but from a valuation standpoint, one minute, it is not not really overvalued. Uh, enterprise value to EBITDA is still only five. And so I would use a, an out on this. Probably the 50-day moving average. Really, since it went public earlier this year, uh, it's it's been riding the 50-day. And as long as it stays above that, technically, it's fine. If it, can, if it reverses, goes below that 50-day, that's when I would be out. But uh, I'm fine with the valuation, and I like the, the industry as a whole right now. Well, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Talk program. Steve and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. Get your free downloads anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and always InvestTalk.com. Independent thinking, shared success. This is the best talk. Good night.
3: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlos Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call one 800